we've all had someone or several people in our lives that we think, my gosh, if they would just stop doing this or start doing that, it would all change for them. That's what they need. And then we try to change them. We see it so clearly, so often we do things like offer them unsolicited tips and advice or overly compliment them so they feel good. Or maybe you tough love them and really tell them brutally honestly what you think is best for them. The problem is, even if you have the very best intentions, you can't make someone do something, even if it's for their own good, because it requires intervening in their life in a way that often damages the relationship more than it helps. We know that for a person to truly change, they must feel like the change is theirs. They made the decision and they control it. That's the only way it works. In this episode, we are talking about what you can do to inspire change instead of actively trying to change someone. Let's go. You're listening to the How to Be Awesome at Everything podcast, where we're obsessed with life hacks that make your life more awesome. Your host, Lindsay Dickhout, is an entrepreneur and business owner, a mom and wife, and someone who wants to do things over the top at all times. This concept started as a collection of things Lindsay has learned that she was documenting to give to her kids one day, and now it's a podcast. Join us on this journey where we talk about how to be awesome at everything we do. Here's Lindsay. Welcome back to the podcast. This is one of those, oh my goodness, if I would have learned this lesson 10 years ago, how much better I could have dealt with certain situations and how much better the outcome would have been. So today I am sharing two very personal stories of my experience in trying to make a person change and how it, how I went about it, why it was wrong and why it didn't work. And here is the bottom line. It didn't work because you can't change people. That's the bottom line. And there have been a couple of situations in my own life where I was just not willing to accept that. But in not willing to accept it, I almost made the situation worse rather than making it better. So in this episode, we are talking about realizing that you can't make a person change. Bottom line, you can inspire them to change. You can educate them towards change. You can support them in their change. And we're going to talk about specific examples of all these things. But bottom line, you can't make them change. And if you try to, it will likely either make things worse or make your relationship worse or have more tension or more stress than it already does. So the reason it's so hard is because sometimes it's so clear for us. It's so hard to see someone mess up over and over or make bad choices. And you just think, oh, if they would just do this or do this, or if they would just get their shit together, they would be so much happier. And this comes in all forms. Maybe it's a family member who's lazy and unmotivated and you feel like they're just wasting away their life because they're not trying for anything. Or maybe it's a friend who's making bad choices and cheating on their spouse and you feel strongly about that. There's a million different ways. Um, A lot of times the ways that people want their loved ones to change are in ways of drinking or uh, smoking or drug use, that type of thing. Now, disclaimer on this whole episode, of course, 
if someone is doing behavior that is unsafe to them or to others, that is at another level and you should seek professional help and real intervention. In this episode, I'm talking about those things that we feel would be best for the people that we love. I'm not talking about, you know, life, life and death or really, really, you know, these serious things when they need professional help. We know that's a different level. What I'm talking about here is when we see people we love making bad choices, over drinking, cheating on their spouse, um, lying or, you know, stealing money or, you know, spending all their savings on something, things that, and usually the hard part about wanting to make someone change is because it comes from a good place. You aren't in the situation that they're in. So you feel like it. you have clarity. You see that this is a bad choice. You see the exit path. And so you tell them. Oftentimes you tell them, we are, I, this is what you need to do. You need to stop doing this and start, start doing this. But we're going to go through in this episode why that doesn't work. And other ways, sometimes instead of doing that kind of harsh, tough love thing, we'll do, we'll try to overly shower them with love. You know, maybe they're, maybe they're, we feel like they're lazy on the couch and if they just had love and if they, that would be enough to make them be motivated to get out. Or maybe we buy them a gazillion books about whatever their problem is, none of which they're ever going to read, by the way. But the problem with all of this is that in make trying to make someone do something, even if it's for their own good, it steps on their toes in some ways. So it just kind of violates their own, you know, their personal boundaries. You are trying to make the choice for them. And in doing so, it's it's tricky and it's difficult and it can be it can be hurtful. And it can also really backfire. Sometimes you can take away someone's total confidence in themselves. Like if you're going to try to do all everything, you know what? I'm going to apply for a job for you. That's what you need. So I'm going to help you make it easier and I'm going to apply for a job. So you get off the couch and you start making better choices. I'm going to take you to the next step. But in doing so, it just doesn't work because it doesn't work, first of all, and you're killing their confidence. Well, obviously, she actually does believe that I'm a loser, and I believe that I'm a loser. That's why I'm depressed on the couch and doing nothing. But she believes it so much that she believed that I wasn't capable of doing it for myself. Uh, she had to go out and do it for me. That's how much of a loser I am. You know, like this is the narrative that can go on in people's minds. And you had the best intentions going and trying to help. Like, you know what? I'm just going to take the first step for them and then it will be easier for them. But in doing so, you're showing, I don't believe that you could do it yourself. So I'm going to step in and do it for you. Again, it steps on their toes. And not only does it not work, they're not going to show up for the job interview. They're not going to do it. But it also hurts your relationship. It damages your relationship in that deeper way. Even again, even if you have the best of intentions, because it can, you know, make someone, it destroys their confidence and it takes the responsibility away from them. For a person to truly change, and this is the key, this is what I wish I would have known, they have to feel like they choose it. The change is theirs. They choose it. They control it. Otherwise, it loses all its effect. And I'm going to talk about two specific situations in my life where I went through this and I did it 
completely the wrong way. But now I see this so clearly and why it doesn't work. While you stepping in in different ways can make it worse, not better. And also for a person to truly change, they just, they, it has to be their choice. It has to be under their control. If we're talking about this type of thing in a dating scenario, that's even harder because loving them hurts, but leaving them hurts. So we decide to change them. It's too hard to break up, but staying hurts. So we're just going to change them. We know what's best. And it's often the beginning of the end for so many relationships because it just doesn't work that way. Think about someone who has survived some sort of trauma. Maybe they were in a verbally abusive relationship before. And so that's why they're making choices that you that you wouldn't choose for them at this point. So kind of going back to trying to tell them what to do, if you say, this is what I think, and kind of basically saying, here's my value system. Like, this is what, these are the answers. The problem is, is you haven't experienced what they've experienced. They have a different worldview than you do because of this trauma that they've gone through. And so they may feel lonely or embarrassed or lost or depressed or sad, but by trying to just give someone all the answers and push someone into the direction that you think, it kind of it 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 makes their experience not have value and you just don't have the same world perspective that they do because you didn't go through the same thing that they went to. So, let me tell you about the two situations in my life. I'll tell you about kind of the shorter story for, first with a college girlfriend, then I will tell you about my my little bit longer story with my husband. So, I had a college girlfriend that was the most fun, great friend, like the most supportive, like just a best friend. She was so fun, so energetic, so full of life, so funny, so creative, all the things. But she had this temper. So she would, if she got mad at a bar or a club, she would fight someone or just very confrontational to the point to where it hurt all aspects of her life. She would get fired from jobs. She would lose friends. She would have so much stress because her life was constantly in turmoil. But keep in mind, and and I just couldn't, I couldn't understand. Like when she was good, she was so good. But then when she was bad, she was so bad. And, you know, she'd have a black eye and no job and everything, everything was a disaster. And I was like, how could we go from one to another? So I was like, I see the good in her so much. I'm just going to make her, I'm going to work all this other stuff out of her because she can't keep doing this. She's going to get physically hurt. She's so confrontational. And, um, also, like she could really lose something bigger than a her part-time job. You know, there are really serious effects to this. So I I just decided that I was going to tell her, you're only allowed to be the one way. Everyone loves that girl. That girl is good for you and you thrive and you're happy. But I didn't realize that she had a more complicated story kind of than I did. She had struggles that I didn't have. And it it I pulled back a little bit with this one. My husband is a different story, but I pulled back a little bit just because I could see that it wasn't that it wasn't working, but I didn't fully understand that I had zero power to change her. And even if I could, 
like give get, do something that would create a temporary change. It would just be that. It would be a temporary change and it wouldn't be for the long term because she didn't want it and she didn't make the plan and choose it. I was forcing it upon her. So that was so hard for me to see someone that I loved so much make such bad decisions. And I kept saying, how are we making these same decisions over again? It would be that middle of the night call and, you know, everything would be a fire drill. Like, oh my God, okay, well, you know, what do we got to do? What do we got to do? And then it's like, but wait a minute, why do we keep having these fire drills over and over? You're such a, like a beautiful person inside and out and you're so kind and fun and all this stuff. I just don't understand. And so I loved her so much. I just tried to push her push her into just being that one way. And it just didn't work. It didn't work. She had to make the choice for herself. And she had to, you know, unfortunately, kind of the way the story goes, she had to kind of keep learning and keep losing out on things and losing friends or losing jobs or getting hurt or different things to really reach a point to where she had to decide enough is enough. Like, this is not how I want to live. This is not the the things that I want to deal with and the headaches that I put my mom through when she gets the call and she's all worried. And eventually she did. But I had to realize kind of the hard way that I couldn't push her to get there. In this, At the time, I didn't know all the tools of the ways that I could really help aside from just trying to force her to change. But I'm going to tell you one more story about my husband. Then I'm going to tell you all the things that I've learned and read about of how we can help people change in a completely different way than trying to make a person change. Because that's our instinct. Like, especially if someone's going through something, like I said, we often, we know what's best for them in our minds. And we have the clarity because we haven't necessarily gone through the hardships or we're not in their, we're not in their headspace. So we're from the outside, it's easier to see. But again, they have to choose it. So the example with my husband, my husband, Craig is a good time, Charlie. He is so much fun. And it's one of the biggest reasons why I fell in love with him. He's just a blast. He's hilarious. He's fun. He's funny. He's up for anything. Like he's just really fun. And when we were young, that was great. We met when I was 22. He was 32. We both owned our own businesses. So we kind of had like, you know, like cash to spend on the weekends. Not a lot. We're not going on big trips, but like we would just do fun little things here and there. Like it was really fun. We'd go to San Diego. We'd go to brunch. We'd get a hotel room. We like we were young and we were in love and we were dating and we'd meet up with friends. We just had a really fun lifestyle. Then as we got a little bit older, I grew up and kind of matured and wanted to do, you know, bottomless brunches a little bit less. And he wanted to do them even more. And he got to a point to where he was socially over drinking and it was affecting us. So we got married and then we had two young kids. And when, when the girls were young is when this kind of his socially over drinking habit was the very worst. And if you follow this podcast or you follow me on social media, you probably know that my husband has serious heart issues. So he's had, it's the craziest thing. And by the way, I should tell this story because we would have never known about Craig's heart issues if I didn't have him do a body scan. So I was watching Oprah one day 
a gazillion years ago. And they she had an expert on who talked about $800 body scans and how they can detect all these different things. And come to find out now there are much better scans. Like he literally did a scan in a van because that's the one I could find online. I was young. I didn't know. I was like, hey, I, I, I feel like you've run your body hard. And listen, I met Craig when he was 32. He had a very fun life with lots of drinking and partying and trips before he met me. So I was like, you've run your body hard and you still are. And I just kind of felt like something was off with his health. So before this, we had no idea about any heart issues at all. He went and did the $800 van body scan and it was like a red flag all over the place. You have heart issues. I did research. I found the one of the best but young and up and coming cardiologists in our area who still are a cardiologist now. His name is Dr. Farzan Rajput. Dr. Rajput, R-A-J-P-U-T. He's in Newport Beach. He is a concierge cardiologist. So you would only want him if you know that you have heart issues. You pay a flat fee yearly and then he is your cardiologist. You text him with anything, but he also has you on pulse. He flew my husband to Texas one year to do like the most up, like the most up-to-date um, heart test to see where his heart was at. Anyways, I digress, but Dr. Rajput is fantastic. So I found Dr. Rajput and we started going through these different tests and we found out that Craig has a whole bunch of things working against him. He has very narrow veins and arteries just genetically. We found out that he had plaque buildup, some likely genetic and some from lifestyle. And then he has um, an irregular, he was, he was having AFib where his heart gets out of rhythm, but he also has a faulty valve. So the valve wasn't opening and closing properly. So we had lots of things working against us. So at that time I was like, okay, this is real life. This is grown up stuff. When we found out that he had these heart issues, I was like, it's time to grow up. It's time to be, both of us be easier on our bodies, healthier, the whole thing. Exercise more, drink less, sleep more, drink more water, do less stress, do all the things that we know are good for our bodies. Well, I was a party of one in that thinking for a very long time. Craig has this big group of guy friends. He has many groups of guy friends. And he's like that guy that he's everybody's best friend. Like, and not in a, in a very genuine way. I bet you if I, like there's, I bet you there's 10 guys, 10 of his friends. If I said, who's your best friend, they would say Craig, just because he's that guy. He's just, he's just a really great dynamic friend and he's fun. He was fun and he's going out all the time. So I, I thought, okay, this is a great sign for both of us. We need to be healthier. He was like, no, 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 I am going to do what I want. Craig's mother was, Craig's mother, Craig, both of Craig's parents unfortunately passed away in 2010 when Stella, no, 2011, when Stella was only six months old. So they only knew about, only knew about Stella, not the other two, but she was the kindest woman. And I, from talking to her, I realized she, he had the nicest mother on the planet. But the only downside of that is he was never made to do anything that he didn't want to do. And that wasn't his choice. She was just the sweetest woman ever. So then I come in and I'm kind of like, okay, well, you know, this is what's best for you. So let's shake it down to this. And he was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, listen, imagine being 35, 36 years old and no one's ever told you what to do ever. He had jobs, but he really kind of had very entry level jobs. And for the company that he owns, he 
started by sweeping the floors of the warehouse, and then he ended up buying the company. So he was an owner. You know, he went from kind of having an entry-level job to being an owner of the company. And then we're in the situation again where no one no one was really telling him what to do. So when I told him what I thought was a very loving and supportive way, like, hey, wait, these are the facts. We know that you have genetically these heart issues and we know that your lifestyle has contributed to them. This is really serious. And now we have two young kids. It's kind of no longer just your decision. It's our decision. You have to stop drinking so much and being so hard on your body. Did not go well. He just resisted. And I think because I was telling him, so matter of fact, this is the change you need to make. This is no longer just your decision. He went the other way. And he was just like, you are not going to tell me what to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. I've got it. Like basically back off. And so I did for a little bit, and then I would meet with Dr. Rajput. Dr. Rajput was on my side. He, I mean, not even like there were sides to this, but he agreed. He was like, you know, this is not healthy. This is not good for the long term. This isn't working. And Craig would hear it, and he would be a little bit better for a little while, but then he would go back to his ways. So finally, I got to a point to where I was like, you know what? No, I am not going to be, I'm not going to be the widow at the funeral, being to, cause to all his friends, because he would always go out with a whole bunch of guys, to all his friends and being like, you guys, we knew this. I told you all this. Like, how are we standing here? How do my kids – I just kept picturing myself. And if you've listened to other podcasts, this is part of why I think I've – I think I always kind of had issues with death. But really because I spent so many years worrying. There is a thing called sudden cardiac death where people who have such – bad kind of, you know, such a bad heart function that if you push your body to the extreme or, you know, drink a ton or, you know, do a ton of energy drinks or certainly drugs, you could literally just have sudden cardiac death. And that became my fear. My husband was going to die because he couldn't, because he, because he chose not to control his kind of partying lifestyles. He never did drugs, never did anything extreme. He just loved to socially drink. And I really, I mean, I don't spend too much time trying to classify it, especially now, but he would never drink at home. He would never wake up and drink. But when he went out socially, he would overdrink every time. So I went to the extreme. I would email his friends. I did this many times. I should look them up now. I'm sure they were. I would email every one of his friends. Whoever went out with him that night, I would email them the next morning, basically begging them and saying, I know this is Craig's choice. This is not your responsibility to make good choices for him. But I'm at the end of my rope. He is refusing to make the choices that we know he needs to make. So I need your help. I need you guys to be a better influence for him. Because if you guys won't be out taking shots with him, then he's not going to do it by himself. And then we'll be on a better path. And every now and then, I probably sent a dozen of these emails over year, over, over a few years. And a couple times, people would maybe reply with a one or two liner. But then after they got a couple, they just, nobody would reply. And I didn't even expect them to reply. I just didn't know what else to do. And him and I would argue about it because, you know, he felt like I was trying to control him. And I felt like I was just trying to save his life and do what was best for him and for our family. So the point is, the more I pushed, the more he resisted. And I just felt like I just can't sit back and let this happen. But now I've learned. So in my mind, it was either do nothing or force him to change. 
But now after reading and researching this, and I'm so thankful that we are completely on the other side of this, but I'm telling you, it was very, it was very sad and upsetting for lots of years. But now I have so much more clarity being on the other side of it. And I will tell you, it is crazy. On Halloween one year, Craig, Craig's had several heart attacks. Craig's had um, a triple bypass. When Parker was six months old, he had an emergency triple bypass surgery at Cedars in LA. And he's had several ablation heart surgeries. He's had a couple stints and he's had a couple heart attacks. So we've been through it all. Lots of, lots of emotions and lots of stress and lots of worry. A few years ago on Halloween, he had a heart attack in the morning. And I don't know, I have no idea why that was the changer, but it was like a light switch. He decided he was going to change and he's been completely different ever since. And it is, I'm so grateful for it. I can't even tell you because the pain that I went through seeing someone I love hurt themselves or just not, yeah, I mean, not, not do what was best for them, even though it was so clear and obvious what was best for them. And with AFib, different things trigger you. So when he would heavily drink the next day, like picture a hangover, plus your heart is racing in bed. So you're laying there, your heart's racing. It's like you're running full speed on a treadmill. It's miserable. So I was like, why are you doing, like, you know, going into it, if you overdrink, you will have AFib the next day, be completely destroyed the next day and exhausted. But he kept making the same choices. So again, I now know what I wish I would have known through this process, some other tools. So let's talk about, we know forcing someone to change does not work, but what does work? We can lead by example. So don't tell them what to do or not do, just don't do it yourself. So in my case, the best thing is we both used to go to bottomless bottomless champagne brunches. So rather than trying to tell him so much what not to do, I just didn't wouldn't do it myself. I think this can really work in a lot of ways. Maybe you're married to someone who you want to eat healthier and exercise. So it can be hurtful to tell someone that, and maybe it may make them go the other direction. Hey, you really need to lose weight and exercise. No one wants to hear that. Like that makes you want to, first of all, it's going to make them resent you and probably not want to do those things because it wasn't their idea. It was your idea. So a much gentler way is just lead by example. So maybe you eat healthier and you go for nightly walks or you wake up early and put on your your running shoes and 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 do do a workout or go to an orange theory class or whatever it is. I think that sometimes we are so emotional about the change we want to see in the people we love, we can be so extreme with it rather than now I see uh, just lead by example. Do the thing by yourself that you'd like them to do or don't do the things you would rather them not do. Next, instead of giving someone answers, ask them better questions. I learned this in having kids, having older kids, kind of as my kids started to get a little bit older, I really realized rather than giving them answers, ask them questions and ask them good questions. And this is one of the best tips I read when it comes to advice on uh, or, you know, expert advice on how to help people change. Again, we realize we can't make a person change, but how can we help them change? And I think that this is one of the most useful things is asking people questions, but good questions and gentle questions. And it requires patience. And it sometimes requires really like 
thought and thinking ahead of time and being very careful. But I think that's why it's so useful is because you're asking someone good questions like how does how does that make you feel? Or, you know, questions and not leading questions. Like, do you think you'd be happier if you were 15 pounds lighter? Not like that. More like, well, how did that make you feel? Or what do you think next? Or things like that, that can, that can help people find the answers to their problems or their stresses. But so, you know, you're asking questions. You're not trying to give them the answers. Next, Offer help unconditionally. This is your classic, you know what? I am here for you no matter what. Or this is your, I know you're going through a hard time. If you ever want to talk, if you ever want to, you know, get a coffee and chat it out, let me know. I am here for you. This is not you coming at them saying, you know, hey, I know what's best for you and this is how I'm going to help. This is you saying, you know, I'm here. I am here to help. It feels, it doesn't feel intimidating. It doesn't feel like someone's being bossy. It doesn't feel overwhelming. It just feels like you have support. And different than someone telling you what to do, you, the, you know, that feels like they're in control. This is like you're in control. You control if you want their help or if you want to talk about it. Also, I think that this sort of like offering help unconditionally can really be helpful if it's more specific. So maybe you have a friend who's going through a really hard time with their parents. So instead of giving them advice or telling them what they should do or all the things that they're doing wrong or how they're being hurtful to their parents or whatever, maybe you tell them and, you know, of course, you know, always truthfully, But maybe you tell them, hey, I don't know if you know this about me, but I had some real struggles with my parents in the past. And I think that we, you know, may have gone through some similar things, or I think I may understand what you're going through even more than you might know. So if you ever want to talk, listen, I am here with zero judgment. And I think that's really key because if someone needs to make a life change, a lot of times they feel judged and they probably are judged. And that's part of the barrier. Like they don't want to talk to anyone because they don't want more judgment and more advice and more criticism. But I've found when I just offer to help unconditionally and also make it very clear that I am not here to judge. And also if you can find some common ground, I think that's really helpful. And it's like, I'm not forcing you to take my advice or I, you know, I'm not even, I'm not, I'm not asking you to do anything necessarily. I'm just putting it in your court. I understand, or we could have some similarities here. If you want to talk, I'm here. So again, they feel like they're in control. Nothing is being forced upon them. They're in control. It's an offering. It's out there. And, you know, if it's useful, I'm here. Because when it's done that way, it's just different. When it's done this way, it feels like you're sharing your experience with them and it might help their experience. And it's and you're putting it on them. You have the right to choose if you want to share. It's not, I'm not encroaching on you. I believe in you and I love you and I value how you feel. You know, it's kind of like the example I said about applying 
for a job for somebody else who's lazy. It's like you're telling them, I don't believe you can do it yourself. And this is empowering this way, just putting yourself out there and saying, I'm here if you need me. If you need me, that's it. I'm here for a non-judgmental conversation. We more we might have more in common than you think because then they're in control. It's a completely different conversation than you sitting them down and saying, it's time for you to make this change. You know, then they're out of control and it's stepping on their on their toes. And like we know, you cannot make somebody change. You just can't. And for me, I was not willing to accept that for so many years with my girlfriend who was so fantastic but couldn't get out of her own way with certain things and and her her temper and then with my husband where I could see so clearly and it wasn't like he couldn't have fun ever he just couldn't go to the extreme that he was going and still have all the other things in life but now i really when i've had little you know smaller not such big you know life situations like this but when i've had other situations i've been able to use these kind of tools and really i feel like be a better friend or family member because i wasn't trying to make someone change and honestly it was just the minute that i realized you can't make someone change and you're going to make it worse if you try so you got to get creative and you have to do the other things to support them And that's the way you can help people you love change. Inspire them to change, educate them towards change, and support them in your change. It has taken me a lot of years to figure this out, but I think that I'm on a really good path. And I feel good that I can be a better support to people in my life because it is no longer an option for me to try to make somebody change But I really try to think about all the different options of loving ways that we can support, inspire, educate, inform, motivate people to change in a way that is their choice and feels right for them and feels empowering for them. Because again, it, even if it's for their own good, you can't make the choice for them. You're going to step on their toes and you're going to hurt your relationship with them. Even if, even if it's clearly what's the best thing, they, this will backfire. It destroys their confidence in you, their confidence in themselves and in you and respect and everything else. So I'm telling you for a person to truly change, they have to feel like that change is theirs, that they choose it. They control it. Otherwise it loses all effect. So if you have someone in your life now or you may have a situation in the future where you know that someone needs to make a change. I really hope that all the things we talked in this pod, talked about in this podcast are really helpful, helpful for you and helpful for them. And that's what it's all about. Thank you so much for listening and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the how to be awesome at everything podcast. For more info about today's episode and all past episodes, head over to howtobeawesomeateverything.com where we break it all down. Tell us what you thought of today's topic on Lindsay's Instagram at Lindsay's Cloud. Until next time, go out and be awesome because that's exactly what you are.